0: Choose you this day whom you will serve But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house I said choose you this day whom you will serve But as for me and, house, me and my house, me and my house, me and my house Good morning Networld and thank you for tuning in We're continuing in our series titled The Family Bible Revolution end-time message for his generational blessing. We've been talking about GGBW, meaning God's got a better way. It's a great way to teach our families and our young adults about God's got a better way than the world. And we've been talking about the Ten Commandments and the Two Commandments from Jesus. Are they relevant today or not? We talked yesterday about Matthew 22, 35 through 38, when a lawyer came to Jesus, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said, This is the first and the greatest commandment. And we were talking about the Sabbath, in what relevance it has today in our health and in our well being, and how God worked six days and rested on the seventh. People can be legalistic about it, but God wants us to rest at least one day a week and to gather in fellowship unto Him and to worship and to bring our tithes, and to honor him, and to listen to his word being brought to his people. We ended yesterday talking about Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. We'll just read the first verse, which says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Yes, the way we should serve God is with every part of our being with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this entire passage was about loving and trusting God. And in simple terms, to love God would mean faith instead of worry, love instead of hate, loyalty instead of despising and serving, or trusting in God instead of worldly wealth and riches. In even clearer words, if we love worry, we hate God. If we love worldly wealth and riches, we're not serving God. And if we're loyal to one, we're despising the other. Well, that sounds pretty harsh, but in softer terms, it all has to do with trust. His word says he wants us to prosper in 3 John 2. However, we can't trust mammon or worldly wealth and say we trust God. We need to make a volitional commitment or a choice by our will as to who and what we trust. You see, if we truly love God, we trust him. We can also put it this way, if we truly trust God, we love him. Now, how does this compare with the first four commandments? Well, Jesus raised the bar. He clarified the depth, the motive, and the reality of the first four commandments. He showed us the root cause, the foundation principle, the bottom line, the power of boundaries from a positive aspect. What is truth? Love God. Love God with everything and in everything we do. And when love and trust is the foundation for our service to him, It is no longer works for salvation, it is works because of salvation. When love is the foundation of our relationship with God, the first four of the Ten Commandments are, well, just as wonderful as the first and greatest one commandment that Jesus gave. Yes, we wouldn't worship any other gods besides him. We wouldn't worship or bow down to any idols of any kind. We wouldn't misuse the name of the Lord God in disrespect to him. And we would remember the Sabbath, a day to keep it holy and a day to worship him and gather with the saints and to bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord and learn the word and grow in the spirit. You see, to trust God is to love God. Psalm 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we'll remember the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 31 verse 14, talking about trust, says, but, as for me, I trust in you, O Lord, I say, you are my God and psalm fifty two eight but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever psalm fifty six eleven in God, I have put my trust, I will not be afraid what man can do to me psalm fifty seven one be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge. Until these calamities have passed by. And Psalm 91, which we're all familiar with. This is verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. Yes, the first four of the Ten Commandments are a further breakdown of the one Jesus Christ spoke when he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. He said that in Mark twelve thirty, Yes, do not worship any other gods besides him. Do not make or worship or bow down to any idols of any kind. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy and gather with the saints. So we see the first four of the Ten Commandments are concerning our relationship with him. The last six commandments have to do with our relationship with others. The first one says, honor your father and mother. And one way Jesus summed it up was to say to love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, our neighbor, who is our neighbor? Many times we don't even know their names. Jesus was asked that question by a lawyer when he said we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Luke 10:29 says, but he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Again, Jesus was referring to the law and he summed it up into two commandments, love God and love your neighbor. This lawyer was looking for more detail for him. Jesus' response was too broad of a definition. He did not realize Jesus was giving an even greater and deeper understanding of the last six commandments. Let's take a look at the six and then see how Christ's answer was completely sufficient. The first one, honor your father and mother. The word honor means to respect and obey. It means to show respect and reverence in thought, word, and deed. We are to honor our parents and others who have responsibility and authority over us. This would include a teacher, caretaker, guardian, mentor, pastor, police officer, military rank, boss, etc. Hebrews 13:17 says, Obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul was quoting the fifth commandment and reminding us there's a blessing or a promise that goes along with honoring our parents. Thank God we're redeemed from the curse of the law, but not from the blessing of the law. What's the blessing? That it might be well with us and that we might live a long life on earth. Deuteronomy 5.16 says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God has giving you. Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Well, God's got a better way, GGBW. I call it wisdom from the mountain, where Moses received it. Who is our neighbor? Obviously, it's first our mother and father. It would also include our entire family, then those who have authority over us, those who live next door, and literally all people. Jesus told a parable of the Good Samaritan to show that our neighbor includes those we don't even know. The Bible knowledge commentary on Deuteronomy 5.16 says to honor one's parents means to value or prize them highly. Children living at home express this by obeying their parents. This commandment was critical for the existence of the nation that you, and that's plural, may live long and that it may go well with you in the land. Parents, especially fathers, rather than the religious leaders were to pass the covenant values to their children. <laughs> what a great word. Many see commandment number five as a transitional commandment, the one between loving God and loving our neighbor. The Faith Life Study Bible concerning Exodus 20 and 12, which talks about honoring your father and mother, it says this. This acts as a hinge law between the two categories of the laws since it has elements Of both a divine and interpersonal relationship. The dual focus demonstrates that faith to God was of central importance for the family. The family was also responsible for teaching loyalty to God. This is also the only law with an entirely positive focus and offer of reward. The Hebrew verb for honor, or kebed, refers to reverence and respect. It is used with both parents and God as its object, reflecting the dual emphasis of the command noted. Wow, I love commandment number five. It certainly makes a whole lot of sense to me. Then there's commandment number six, which says, do not murder. Well, obviously, this does not apply only to one's mother and father. It applies to our neighbor and all others. The most important thing we must understand is that this commandment is referring to the killing of innocent life. God is pro-life, but what about capital punishment? Taking the life of someone who kills another? Interesting question. In Romans 13, verses 3 through 4, it says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good but if you do evil be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain for he's God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Well that justifies having police in society and then the spirit-filled life study bible concerning Exodus 2013 about murder it says murder is an intentional wanton taking of someone's life. This commandment is not speaking of accidental killing wartime killing, or capital punishment, the latter two being essential God-ordained sanctions of government in administrating a fallen world. This commandment is aimed at the sanctity of human life in the eyes of God. Deuteronomy seventeen six 6-7 seven says, whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness, The hands of the witnesses shall be the first against him to put him to death, and afterwards the hands of all the people. So you shall put away the evil among you. Murder is hatred and purposeful killing of innocent life. However, taking someone's life in protection of your own life, your family, or your country is not the killing of innocent life. Neither is capital punishment when there's proof by two or more witnesses. An accidental killing of another does not qualify. Jesus established the standard of the sixth commandment above the physical action of murder to the thoughts and intents of our heart. Listen to 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Love is the foundation, the bottom line, and the one thing that will never fail. And 1 Corinthians 13, 8 puts it this way, love never fails. Oh my, I'm out of time. Be blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the Media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site.